Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Side by Side. It's the day before the game, the first game. Always an exciting time, the first game of the season. Sound is at home against Minnesota United tomorrow. It's a big, big game. We'll be previewing that game, talking lineups, formations, all of our thoughts and predictions. And I'm delighted to say we're joined by the voice of the Sounders, play-by-play extraordinaire, Keith Kostigan, joining us from... Are you in California? In California now, but looking forward to getting uh, back in the stadium. Coming back into the stadium tomorrow. And of course, Brad Evans is here. And of course, Keely is here as well. Hey, guys. So we're we're going to get into it. And Keely, I have no idea what we talked about on Tuesday, what I'm meant to be saying. So I'm just going to keep going. I have no idea what the script is. So I'm just going to go off script here. I um, will bring you back if we have to. <laughs> if I have to bring you back. So just, just go with it, Steve. Let's wing it. Um, okay. So I'll, me and Brad were talking a little bit before we start recording. I said, I don't feel that good about this Sounders team this year. And that's just me being honest. I think we lost too much experience. Gustav, Leardam, um, you know, even you can think maybe a Jovin, a Roman, guys that have been there who maybe may be good in the locker room and haven't been replaced. You plan to play without Jordan Morris. He's gone. There's been formation changes. All kind, it just doesn't seem like a very settled team. And I'm very excited, hoping to be proven wrong. Brad and I have talked about this, but Keith, I'm curious your thoughts. Did the Sounders get better in the offseason? Yes or no? Uh, in a word, no. I, I, I think I think that's the way I would lead in. I, and I'm a little bit like you. <clears throat> I think over the last few years, when we've looked at the Sounders team, we've said, hey, look, if Gustav isn't there, we can we can plug this player and Christian can play there. If Kelvin isn't there, well, Alex can jump in at right back and give us minutes. All of a sudden, that depth has gone in certain positions. So now some of the things we were saying, if we need to, we can do that and we could be successful. That's now plan A. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried if things go wrong, where that depth is. So when you lose, you know, we, we've done a great job over the last few years when we've lost, you know, Clint or Jordan to a big injury of, of just still going. And we've all been amazed at that. But I, I think now you add in some key pieces throughout the squad in Kelvin, in Joven, in Gustav, like it, it, that's, that's tough to replace. And yeah, it, it's, it's going to be tougher. But it also presents an opportunity for for some young players who have been on the periphery of the squad for the last couple of seasons to say, look, I can prove to you that that we're ready to go now. So some excitement there to see the young players, but also a little bit nervous with with the players that we lost. Yeah, that that leads into the youngsters. And that's something that um, Schmetz talked about last week as well, is is we're going to have to rely on youngsters. And you'll see a youngsters in the starting lineup come tomorrow, right? in your eyes, and now that you've been with the squad for, you know, a number of years, we've talked about the youngsters and how they've developed and are they ready? And you've seen probably more than just about anyone, right? And from your bird's eye view up there, are these young guys ready to go? Is it a team like the Salt Lake now relying on young players um, like when Garth was there, right? Less veteran players, more youngsters, get them out there and let's try to be a team that's going to sell some young players. What are your views on the youngsters? 
Yeah, I, I think someone like Ethan played a little bit towards the end of last season. Ethan Doubler. We, we know about Danny Leva. Josh Atenso has been in the squad. I, I don't believe um, if you wait till a young player is completely ready, they're never going to play. Um, nobody is it, that that last element is that on the field, the the moments that. Um, they are going to have moments of success and moments of failure, how they react to them. I mean, I, I just did Toronto this week and Ralph Preso was 18. Uh, he's 18. And from first game to second game, I already saw an improvement in his, in his performances. So for me, you can keep watching in practice and saying, he's not quite ready. He didn't do this. If, if there's elements there that you think are, are, are the base of a good player moving forward, give them that opportunity. Allow for some failure. But how quickly they recover from that will will tell us how good a, a pro they're going to be. So I, I think that the three that I mentioned, Alfonso, as well as being a player who's been around the squad, I, I think now is the time to, to see. And, and part of that process is going to be putting them on the field. If they're successful, it's on them. If they're not, you know, it, we've given them that opportunity to, to, to showcase their ability and, and prove to everybody that they can be a pro at this level. So it's, it's tough for a coach because... At the end of the season, you judge a coach on wins losses. You don't say, "Well, you know, we lost all these games, but you did develop players." That doesn't that doesn't pay the the wages for coaches. They want to win games. But I, I do think right now we're at the stage with some of these young players that they've earned that opportunity to get on the field. I have sort of a philosophical question. Do you think that MLS uh, is too conservative about playing their young guys just in general? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think. Um, I think, I think they have been conservative. I think it's difficult. The easiest thing to look at is, say, 28-year-old midfielder, 18-year-old midfielder, 28-year-old is better because he's played a lot more games. I, I think it takes a lot to say, well, here's some of the things that I, I see. I'm going to give this guy the opportunity and then let that young guy shoot off and, and build on that momentum. It, it's, it's a really difficult process. It, it takes a keen eye and it takes um, a little bit of courage from coaches as well. What, what I've always never understood is teams, there is no relegation in MLS. Like towards the end of a season, if you're not in that playoff mix, why would you not start giving these young players opportunities? Um, I, I've, never, I've never quite got that, but I've been talking to Chris Armas over the last few weeks covering Toronto. Noble Okello played, um, you know, Ralph Preso, Schaffelberg. He said, he was like, look, if we win, we need these youngsters. I've told them you are going to play such a massive part. And you could just sense that his belief, you know, I almost put myself in the player's shoes. My coach is telling me that, like, it's on me. I'm playing a part in this. I'm going to go out there with that confidence. So I, I do think we've seen a, a shift in the last couple of years. Uh, Sounders too, like Danny Leva coming in. I, I, think, I think we're going to continue to go in that direction because this league has to sell some of those young players as well to become a, a competitive league in my opinion. So I, I do think we can be a little bit more aggressive. And I do think we have been a little bit more aggressive playing those players. Brad, we were talking and you're now coaching. So you, you, you know, understand a little bit what that's like, maybe not quite the level of a Schmetz, but coaching is coaching. Um, tomorrow's game, for example, and I hate this phrase anyway, but we talked about the Sounders' first six games, which is very tough. A couple of times, LAFC, Portland, Galaxy with Greg Vanny could be tough. So, Brad, I'm curious for you, and then Keith, you can tack on too, since you're an okay coach too. Um, 
<laughs> but how do you is tomorrow is it must win do you have to come out of the gates flying make a statement show that we've been written off even by our own former players on a podcast and we're actually the real deal <laughs> or you just don't lose get through the game because I, I just fear the Sounders lose three or four of the first six games I don't think it's the kind of year you can just make that back up I don't think we have that team this year so if you're a coach tomorrow are you trying to really make a statement and beat Minnesota yeah I think so I think in years past, you could get behind and we could use our crowd and our crowd oftentimes pushed us in the right direction. Well, we may not have a full crowd until the end of the year, right? Yeah, 7,000 fans will be great. The guys will be buzzing, but it's still just not the same as, you know, you're down 2-1 and you got to score a goal in the last minute. And this team was, has always had fight, but there's something about that group of fans being in the stadium that will push you on. And look, it was a practice game last weekend and you play, you know, a USL team at home and you win one nothing in a new formation. So that, to me, doesn't give me the most confidence stepping into a next game against a higher, much higher quality opponent with a couple guys that are looking to avenge a result from last year. Um, I think the guys are going to have to be on their A game, and they're going to think about it. Hey, we got to win this game to set ourselves in the right direction. We don't want to be chasing. we got a really tough schedule. Home games are going to be key in this first month and a half. Uh, because as we know, April, May are going to be massive months in terms of just volume too. So we talk about young players. It's going to be a lot of guys on rotation. So you're going to have to leave it all out there come come tomorrow night. If you don't, you're going to get shot in the foot and you're going to be thinking of these what ifs. What if I just tried a little bit harder here or put the effort in here, right? That's the last thing you want to uh, think about as you're walking off Lumen Field um, on a Friday night, right? What ifs. So it'll be a difficult one. Um, Keith, I'm interested to hear your coaching perspective on how massive this uh, result could be tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think the home games, you just touched on it. I think when you have a, a new setup, you know, new format, all of those things, it, it's really important to, to get off to a good start. I mean, that's going to build confidence within the group, all of those things. And I, I, we've had a, a target on our back since 2016, um, Seattle. So two, and- two, 2009. Yeah, 2009, really. But, I mean, it, it has. This level, this level of play has been so high. And, and every year, somebody's waiting. Well, Sounders are going to drop. And it's never happened. So, I think, I think Smets and, and, and the players that we have have shown they can play with this pressure for sure. Um, but Minnesota, they bring in another new striker again, Reynoso, at the end of last season. They're one of those teams that have constantly been striving to get to where we are. They're bringing Will Trapp, who I think is... A low-key good addition for them as well. So I think the fact that it's one of those teams that's saying, we've got closer, we, we have you in our sights, to beat them on opening day gives you a sense of, we're still here, we're not going anywhere. This is Seattle Sounders. Forget about the players we lost, it's about the players we have. And I think, you know, to, to lose that against Minnesota and, and then go into that stretch of games with a couple against LAFC, um, it, it, it adds to the pressure. Not, not that it's going to be the end of the world, but you, you want to start against a, a potential rival this year with uh, three points. And I think it's a massive game, and especially how we ended Minnesota's season last year, right? I mean, that's you know that's fresh in the mind of Adrian Heath. It's fresh in the mind of all of their players still. So uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on it. Not, not season-defining, but you know it really could set the tone for us moving forward. Well, it's, it's, it's a game that's the matchup and the storylines go beyond just two teams playing against each other, right? You've got the coaching connection. You've got the former players. 
Um, you bring in now a, a Boca Juniors striker that's got the connection to Nico in some respect. So there's all these little storylines to play on that always make, for some reason with Minnesota, always bring this matchup into under, underneath a, a magnifying glass, right? Like, like you said, Minnesota wants to be that perennial team in the West, but they just can't figure it out quite yet. Matchups for tomorrow, key matchups. What are your thoughts? I think obviously Reynoso, how do we keep Reynoso quiet? Like in that defensive midfield area for the Sounders, you know, um, I mean, I haven't seen the lineup yet. I I don't know exactly who's going to play as our defensive midfielder. Um, But I I think denying him the space to dictate the game is going to be vitally important for me. Um, If you win that battle, if you restrict him, I think, you know, Avila doesn't become as big a threat as the new striker. So, that's the key area of the field for me. And then the other is, you know, we don't have a, a winger in Jordan. It, it, it was always such a great outlet to say, well, look, we're not, we're not getting much going forward. Jordan has the ability to commit a player. I look throughout the squad, do we still have somebody that commits players um, in 1v1 situations? I, I'm not so sure. So how do our fullbacks cope with that? How do our fullbacks cope with that added pressure of, of being the, the, the protagonist in terms of creating goal-scoring opportunities for us. They have to win their battles against the Minnesota fullbacks, Mettenmeyer and, and Gasper. If they win those battles, again, I think we're in for a positive result. But it's, it, it's, it's new. It's, it's a new season and it's a, a new look for the Sounders. And, you know, I'm going in, like I said, nervous, but a nervous excitement as well. It's always nice to see how how the coaching staff have put things together and, and, and are ready for this first game. We're all so excited that we're going to have fans back in the building. So excited. Um, let's like switch gears a little bit from Minnesota to go more into the Sounders a little bit. And let's do some uh, superlatives just going down the Sounders roster, which is a very different looking roster than we've seen before. Um, so I guess we can start with uh, who does everyone think is going to be our defender of the year? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, like we just we, we spoke about before the podcast is Yamar wasn't with the starting group against San Diego. So something's something's going on there, right? A week out. Uh that would be your shoe in, obviously, I think. But if he's not if he's not starting and you're having to light a fire under this guy, that's not a great sign. But that's not to say that he can't come in and make make an impact. Um I I'm I'm still hoping that Shane continues his progression and his, um, you know, o- almost shrugging off the haters. I-, I just love that he's able to really just focus on himself and do his job and try to do it the best that he can. In a new formation, we'll see with three in the back if he can handle it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a dark horse here and say Shane Shane O'Neill. You stole my Shane O'Neill one, but uh, it was the Irish connection. I would definitely, and he just feels very even keeled. I like and I that. think that. I think that our back line and our defense needs to be very even keeled, especially with the new sort of formation. I'm not, that we I'm may not, be. I'm not having that accent though. Like <laughs> he's from Cork, which is like way more Irish than even Dublin. It's just like, and then you hear Shane talk and it's like, no chance. Like, I can't. like hey, I'm from Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I still think it's a player that we don't give enough credit to year in, year out and is new who. I think as Ooh, a 1v1 as a one v, as a 1v1 defender, um, I remember I had an agent in England last year. I was back in England, and he was mentioning some MLS players, and he was like, Tolo. And I said, who's Tolo? And he goes, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 okay, new. And he was like, yeah, I've heard good things about him. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, it's not just 
people are recognizing that 1v1, he's a, he's a shutdown defender. He doesn't get I, beat. I, doesn't get beat. And if you're a winger, you don't look and say, I'm playing Nuhu, great. I'm going to exploit. Like he, I, I, I he just. I'm joking. So I would say, I, I think, you know, we, we'll, we'll continue to talk about the development of can he get forward, all those kind of things. Um, can he be better in the final third? But focusing on the word is defender, defender of the year, I'm going to go Nuhu. Steve, are you the same Nuhu? Nuhu. I, I think. He's one of those players, and it's because we know how good he can be. We focus more on what he's not good at, which is a lot of things, like the final third, crossing, maybe a couple of things, defensively, his positioning at times. But that's because if he was to sort those things out, sky's the limit. But if you really focus on what he's good at, especially last year, I thought he was fantastic. You know, I yeah. put him in my top five fullbacks in MLS because he doesn't get beat. He, I think I saw him beat, get beat one time, and that was in the playoffs. He gave away a penalty against Carlos Vela, but that's Carlos Vela. So it's like... You have him on your team. He's solid. He seems like he's more focused, more tuned in. Um, yeah, I think Nuhu, man. I think Yema should be just because he's, I think, the best. But I think Nuhu can have another monster year. I think so. I got a question, Steve. So if you're lining up against Nuhu, you think you get success? How? How do you? How do you attack him? I, I would. I think I would destroy Nuhu because um, the way I played the game, it wasn't just a lot of people. The mistake they make is they try and beat him for raw pace and just face him up. Nuhu, you have to play one twos around him. You got to keep him guessing. Right. You go inside, outside. The more he has to think, he's not that good. Guys that face him one if you want to make it a physical battle, he would kill me. But and I've never really seen anyone go at Nuhu with stepovers and chop this way, chop that way. I want to see that as well, like a real winger. Like if Fabian Castillo was still here, for example. Someone like that, that would be the challenge I want to see Nuhu face. Because most of the guys he faces, they're good technical players, but he's too strong and too quick. So um, I think, yeah, I think Nuhu would have to, you have to be very clever, make him think a lot. But no, he's fantastic. I, yeah, he's, he's one of the best um, um, in the league right now, for sure. Let's move to team MVP. What's y'all's team MVP? Nico Lodero. Yeah, I mean. He's the best player. I, I, I mean, it's a toss-up for me, Nico, or, you know, I, I think this is a massive year for Christian. I, I really do. I, I know Christian is plugged into it, a couple of different roles and, and being a high-level performer for a number of years. But um, I still think when you think of elite midfielders in MLS, they leave Christians in the conversation just below that. Um, you know, consistently good, but can he be elite? And I think this is a big year. But having said that, he, he's in a midfield alongside, you know, one of the greats of MLS for me in, in Nico Ladero. So, Nico Ladero plays. Nico Ladero is the MVP. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Christian has to do to be considered? Does he have to have an eight and eight season sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, it's. And, or is it just pure playing? Dominate one position. Does he get hurt by moving around? I don't know. Right. Yeah. That's it. For me, it's one position. If it's, you know, you're alongside a six and, and, and you're bombing forward and you get eight and eight. And, um, and all of a sudden you're looking at the sounders saying, still in the mix in the, in, at the top end of the Western Conference without all these other pieces, that will have to be one of the reasons why Christian Roldan having a really big year. But I do think it has to be one position dominates in that position. And, and then we have that discussion. Yeah, but That's weird because, Brad, I feel like it helped you though, because, yeah, you bounce around different positions, but then that gave you a lot of playing time on the national team exactly. as a right back. So it's like yeah. it can work for you. And yeah, it's a very weird one. That Both ways, right? And I think... That's where when people always ask, what would you have changed about your career? Sometimes I think, yes, I would have loved to have 
not mastered, but gotten close to like taking master reps at one position over 10, 12 years. Right. I think that would have probably made me a better player overall, but the reality is in a business like soccer is you're always looking for the next best player. And that's what the Sounders did, right? We know that this guy's only making 40 grand, so we can go spend X amount, try to bring in a guy and then we'll just move him. It's fine. Right. But then it makes you, you make 40 grand. <laughs> you were overpaid. Huh? Yeah. I, I would agree. You mean a year. You mean a year. Oh, <laughs> Then you, then you think back and, and, and you talk about being a well-rounded soccer player. And it's like, yeah, without playing multiple positions, you don't learn that experience and something you could take away for the rest of your life, right? Like I go and coach the defenders. Some days I have the midfielders. Some days I have the strikers. And I feel like I can give them all information because of experience. You know, and it's one thing to watch it, but to do it on a regular basis is a pretty cool thing to take away from your career. So, you know, it, it all depends on what Christian wants to do. Is he going to be the, the guy that goes into the – to the, to the front office and says, no, I'm, I'm a number, I'm a number eight, whatever it is, right? No, I'm a number eight. I see myself in this role and look, I'm willing to sit on the bench if you don't think I'm a number eight and I'll find somewhere else to play. That's not his personality, but if he was, you know, that type of person, yes, he could go in and do that. Um, but I, I I'm going to say either Nico or, or Steph. Um, I still think Steph has a lot to build off of, of last year. And if he gets, you know, 10 to 12 shutouts like that's really really impressive and if he continues to do that um i don't think there's many goalkeepers that have been able to do what he's done um consistently throughout the years which has been really impressive yeah i definitely will go with nico ladero i just think that the 10 position in mls especially is so important i mean that's the superstar on every team is the number 10 and nico is arguably the best one so MVP. arguably yeah yeah. arguably arguably the best one there's a lot of really it's, it's there's a lot of really list. top ones He's, it's a tough list not what was your list steve it was all i had pozuelo just based on last year i thought he was fantastic yeah. he was fantastic i had nico second um i believe i had third i think zella Rian from columbus crew maybe and then i had um valeri was still in there for me because even though he's slowing down there was a game against the sounders last year with valeri put on a master class yeah, he was just he's when he when he's on he's on so and i forget the number five but that, that's a tough one but nico is top one or top two and nico's not a typical 10 he's not he's not typical, he's not no he's, 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 he's so tough to describe him because he just runs around but gets it done so it um, kind of reminds me i don't know if you've watched leon and liga mx uh, chapo montes mm, he's mm. not like he's not like your 10 like zellerian that stays behind the forward all the time he, he drifts he drops in, he sets the tempo. So for me, you could have a game where Nico's absolutely absolutely dominated and not had a goal or an assist yep. um, just because of how quickly he moves the ball and, you know, gets everybody else involved. Um, so I think I think he's he does so much more than just that setup guy, that in between yeah. the lines, that kind of that kind of guy. Um, yeah, it, it's difficult to just put him in that 10 box. Like, like you're saying, he doesn't play traditionally the way a 10 is supposed to be played. So when you talk to other teams and we preview other teams, often they say, well, we don't know what to do against him, right? Like they just, a lot of teams don't have any idea what to do. Like, how do we play against a guy like that? And that's the most challenging part is that he is so unpredictable. Um, and there are often times I remember in games where you could say, Ozzy, mark the number 10. And it was easy because most number 10s just sit in front of Ozzy Swarner, just sit there, win his tackles, win his, you know, and knock him on his on his ass a couple of times. And that was it. Ozzy won the battle. But things have changed a little bit with that number 10 role. So tomorrow will be interesting to see what Minnesota tries to do. Maybe they play 
Um, maybe they play two sitting tomorrow and just kind of pass him off as he comes side to side. That would be my go-to, but I guess we'll see. Do you guys think Brad looks a little bit like the Night Stalker? Am I the only one that notices that? What's a Night Stalker? Jake Gyllenhaal? It's like, no, it's uh, anybody. Nobody watched the Night Stalker on Netflix. You just wanted to say you look like Jake Gyllenhaal, didn't you? What I was didn't that? Say Night, Jake Nightcrawler was the movie he was in. No, the night the Night Stalker was the guy, the the mass murderer in, in L.A. They did it on Netflix uh, a couple of a couple of months ago. I mean, it could you be don't me. Think he looks. He, he, you have a little bit of Night Stalker. That's all I'm gonna say. And what's everyone's more, celebrity you, doppelgangers? No, I'm like curious. Awards? Oh, me? I don't have one. One of one. Steve, get, you are Clooney. a celebrity, so you don't need a doppelganger. <laughs> I get Clooney a lot. Clooney? Uh, yeah, Rosemary Clooney. No. <laughs> um, Keely, do you have any more awards or no? Uh, one more. It, this is the easiest one. Golden Boot. Raul Ruiz Diaz. Yeah, it has Raul to be. Raul Ruiz Diaz, yeah. I mean, and he, he should be up there in the league as well. If we're playing well, he should, he should be up there in the league for it too. Yeah. I mean, since his time in Mexico, hasn't he scored like 15 goals, five, four or five seasons in a row or something? Yeah, yeah. It's insane. He has like one of the highest um, just goals, goals to games. Yeah, goals per minute in Major League Soccer. It's crazy. He's been great. But you oh. have to f- factor in international duty this year, right? Tournaments, things yeah, like that. That was my point. I was going to say, um, expectations for Montero. Pretty high. I mean, there's been a lot of talk. Of the coaches seem to think that he's playing lights out. Um, the presence in the locker room. I think he's motivated by certain factors as well. Um, so I think you'll see him come off the bench for sure. And he'll be an impact player um, as much as I hate seeing a player that has gone to an opposing rival team, come back and be lights out. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be really good. But, but Okay. Just, just on that, Brad, what like you say off the bench, maybe a, an even better way. What is like, what is a good return this year? Because you mentioned for Christian, like eight and eight. What would you see as a good return for, for Freddie this year? Um, if I'm not counting penalties or counting penalties, if he takes them. No no penalties, just, okay. just in. I think if he scores seven goals. Yeah, I'll, I, think I'll that's, take I think that's a really good. And I think that he'll turn provider, judging by the way he and Will have been linking up, and especially with a 3 5 2, because he can pick out passes. We know that. And if we've got yeah. runners coming, he's going to find you. He's a really, really good passer of the ball. Like that's for sure. He's he's a true soccer player. Yeah. Um, and if he gets five, six assists, I, he may even have more than that if he takes set pieces sometimes. So yeah. I think he's got the opportunity to to really make an impact. I think our front three are extremely solid. Like if I if I was an opposing team, yeah, I wouldn't be like, oh, they got so and so coming off the bench. Let me give seventy five minutes to this striker. But no, now you got to deal with Montero off the bench, or somehow if Montero and Raúl form a partnership, like that could be pretty pretty fun to watch right that could potentially be up with the other partnerships that we've seen with this team so we've we've rarely yet to see in the past couple years a a dual striker and some real link-up play so that could be fun i sort of have a follow-up to that so our attack last season was also considered really lethal and you know i mean we're flying everywhere and it was hard to defend us but it feels like this year's attack is much different um if you're a a team playing against our offense how do you defend against us um well, you don't have to worry about Jordan. That's the one. You can't defend pace, speed. You just can't do anything against it. You can yeah. take the space away, sure, but then you're giving Nico all the space underneath to play. So the sound has really killed teams just by that three. Raul stays in the box. Nico would pull out to the left, play a couple triangles, one, twos with Jordan and whoever the left back was, and try to get Jordan in behind. So I think, you, again, don't underestimate how much you've lost. But Brad made a great point last week saying, 
the Sounders didn't lose Jordan to the ACL. They planned to play without him. They lost him to a loan. He was gone anyway for most of the season. So they had prepared off-season knowing he won't be here. Now, the two strikers does give you some advantages. The pens will be on the right, whether it's um, Christian um, or Alex Rodan or Kellen Roll, etc. You have to stop Nico. That's the key. That's the part I don't get. I think a prime Aussie versus Nico, I would love to see. That's the one guy that maybe could have followed him all over the pitch and made it a mission. A prime Alonso, 09 Ozzy Alonso. I mean, it was different level. That that's the guy that can stop Nico because Nico moves around too much. He disorganizes you. I remember San Jose tried to man mark Nico, and even when he went yeah. to the, the bathroom, Judson, the guy, wasn't it? yeah, yeah Judson, 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 Judson yeah. falling into the toilet, and it was like it's too much. So and but it disrupted their shape, and then other guys had space, and sometimes you draw Paulo get space. So I don't know. You stop the Sounders attack in any easy way. Once Raul gets inside the 18, um, I forget who, one of the guys on MLS, I don't agree. They said Raul's the best inside the six-yard box or 18-yard box in MLS. I think you can't go against Joseph Martinez. I think that I've, I've never seen anything like that guy in the box. Raul's probably second, but with that level of talent, Raul and Nico, two of the best in their position in the league, um, you can't stop it, essentially, is what I'm saying. You can't stop it. But, but, but you just made a point, Steve, that worries me, which is... Jordan stretched the opposition. So when they did drop off, that space was there. I think teams will say we can be a little bit more aggressive with a defensive line and almost there the Sounders to be a threat in behind. Because, if, we, because, if we see 2019, Brad Smith. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but again, mm-hmm. as a wing back, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do that. But I, I do think there's going to be more of a, we dare you to, to send numbers and try to get in behind us. Then are we are we opening ourselves up to transition? I mean, there's so many questions, obviously, because it's not like a regular preseason. We haven't seen three, four, five games where we're going, okay, here's an idea of what's going on. I think there's still an element of what are we going to look like as well. Um, and, and and that's what's kind of tempering the expectations a little bit too. Keely, by the way, I don't know what the sec- you're gonna have a great time editing this into segments. So no worries. We've, we're good. <laughs> we've just been talking. Um no, no we're Keith, good. So- we talked about this last week, and we're going back to last year because you mentioned Alex Rodan kind of continuing what he did last year. When we got, as a coach, when the Sounders got to MLS Cup final, and you're seeing that, you know, Kelvin Ladam's fit now, but he's on the bench because Alex Rodan got you there. We asked Brian Schmitzer this question. Um, do you go with the guys that got you there, or do you just play your best players on the day and just go, look, Alex Rodan, you've done great to get us here, but Kelvin's fit again. He's the better player right now. It's a final. There's no tomorrow. I need my best players. I wonder how you gauge that as a coach. Because we've seen it happen many times where some teams will play their second team in the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup and they get to the sure. final and suddenly Aguero's back and Sterling's back and Fernandinho's back, you know. So we've seen that. And Schmidt so, he's very loyal. And he stuck with yeah. Alex Rodan. There was a lot of criticism about that because a couple of the goals came from that side. Should Liam have played is what my point. Should the Sounders have just played their best team and then told Alex, this is the way it works? Yeah, I, I think, like, not to sit on the fence, but I don't think there's a, a, a right or wrong answer here. It's like Alex had come in and done well, but my, my biggest thing was that the performance in the lead-up to the final wasn't as good. We got through, but I don't think the performances were as good defensively. So I take all of that aside. If, if my final's on the Saturday, on the Wednesday, after we get through, I'm going, what team gives me the best chance to win this game? Um, I don't, you know, I have to have the... The strength is to turn around and tell someone, yes, I know you played a part in the semi, but I believe this is it and you have to trust in me. And I also have to trust in my own uh, ability to make that decision. I think that's what Smets did. Smets had 
100% belief in the in the group that he he, he picked. Mm-hmm. And and at the time, I did too. You know, the easiest thing to do is look back and say, yeah. well, I would have done things differently. Um, but but I do think you know when we say Alex got us there, I, I think for me, Kelvin got us there. You know, Kelvin's formed throughout the season as a player with the club. He's a goal scoring threat. And he, he just has a, a bit of a, a swagger, um, you know, about his play. Um, not that not that Alex was going to be overawed or anything. I know he's a good professional, but my choice would have been Kelvin, given all that he's done over the last couple of years for that final. I think that that leads us to this to, to tomorrow night's game is you've potentially got a young guy starting on the field. Um, now I think you bring in Kellen and cover, right? Instead of having two, you know, Alex is still young. And maybe sure. not age-wise, but experience-wise. So let's give, if, if we're going to have a, a young midfielder, real young midfielder, let's give him the most support possible with veteran guys that can cover when need be, right? Especially um, that wide position is really vital in a 3-5-2. Yep. Uh, you've got to be really dialed in. So if Kellen gives you, you know, 70 minutes, then you bring on Alex and say, hey, give me, give me you know, however long into extra time and just, kill it right just leave your all on the field and then we build from there most important thing is the results first yeah. game right yeah. to totally. get the players on the field that are going to get you that result yeah. the good thing about kellen Rowe too is he's played all over the place yeah he knows he knows that he's literally oh, played I, everywhere I, I, keith you missed it i believe keely's exact words last week were kellen rose finally at a major club so that's what she said yes. <laughs> wait i'm trying to think of kellen's former clubs new england new Rose england was- Colorado, Salt Lake. Oh. <laughs> I was I was targeting I one team in particular, but it's fine. It's all fine. the fan bases you've insulted. We need to get that clip out on social media. <laughs> UCLA is probably his biggest club so far. <laughs> and I went to USC. This is just so many no. co- weird connections. Um, all right, let's just end. So you guys are regulars on our amazing local Sounders FC broadcast. And I think it would be pretty cool if we all learned a little bit more about each other with a little icebreaker called Two Truths and a Lie. So tell two things that are true about you, one thing that is false, and we will have to guess which one is false. So So who wants to go first? Two that are true. Two that are true, one that is false, and we have to guess. Okay. So here we go. I'll do a very easy one to begin. so I say all three, right? I say yes. all three. Right? Oh, one more thing. No one's allowed to use Wikipedia because you guys are all Wikipedia. No, my, my Wikipedia no is all false anyway. Um, <laughs> um, fake news. Okay, so. Um, I'm trying to make something up in my head. <laughs> it's easy. Number, so I say all three, right? Yes. Okay, number one, I'm a big, big, big wine lover. Red wine, like obsession. That's one. Number two, I've lived on three continents. Number three... I'm a prolific, aspiring, up and coming. No, oh, I got a better one. Scratch that. Oh, wow, I just remembered it. So, no, no, it's made up. No, no, no. <laughs> I got a better one. So, number one, big wine connoisseur, crazy about wine, learning all that stuff, enjoying it. Number two, I was, as a teenager, ranked top 15 in the nation for badminton. Top 15 in the nation for badminton. True or false, you can, you can guess. And number three, I'm a prolific, aspiring piano player. That's food, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is hard. Those are good. Any guesses, guys? Um, I'm going to take the lie as the third one. Piano? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> the top 15 in his country in badminton? Oh, that's incredible. I was that's un- insane. I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievable at badminton. Unbelievable. I'm surprised you're not part of the Be- Bellevue Badminton Club. <laughs> I should join. <laughs> that's Steve, this is too funny. My rival high school was like, badminton was their sport. Like, they oh, were the best in the state of California at badminton. I you love badminton. I love, love badminton. Love it. Yeah, All that's right. mine. Okay. Um, I will say three things. Um, I've gone to the bathroom in the White House. Um, I was the first person in my family to go to college. I grew up in the desert. Is all of Arizona the desert? That's a great question. I, I, I think I think the middle one. I don't think you. I don't think you were the first person in your family to go to college. The White House one's true because when Columbus would have won the championship, he would have gone. Yeah, so I can, ima- I can imagine that. You know, after a few. Beers, when you say you went to the bathroom, what are we talking here? Like you brought in a newspaper? Like I'll be back in a few minutes. Tell Brock to hold on a second here. <laughs> Just hold okay. up what number it is, and you don't need to say it. Just hold it up. Which one is a truth and a lie, or which number is a <laughs> no. No. no? Listen, I'm with Keith. I think the second one is the lie. All right, Brad, what is it? Yeah, second yeah. one. There we go. All right, All right. Keith. Oh, Mr. Costing in. All right. Uh, one, I have. Uh, degrees in finance and sports science. Two, my uncle is the former Taoiseach or Prime Minister of Ireland. Um, and three, I played for two League of Ireland clubs in Bray Wanderers and Monaghan United. Oh, wow. That's actually tough. This is really um, hard. A, a degree <laughs> in finance and sports science. Where did you go to college? Can I give this information, Kitty? I feel like this is like... <laughs> is this cheating? No, this isn't 20 questions. You just have to guess. I'll be like, hang on. Where did you grow up? <laughs> I'm going to say number one. Yeah, I'm going to say one, one think, too. Yeah, I think one. I think the last two makes sense. I think number one. Yeah, my, my uncle was never the T-shirt. <laughs> I, I, it, it hurts that you believe that I don't have any education. That's, that's sad. I just don't think you're a scientist. You just thought you might have had a different major or something. I don't know. When people say they're a sports scientist, it really gets to me. I'm going to do mine. And to be fair, I prepared because I knew we were going to do this ahead of time. So Okay. (laughs) All right. Number one, the mom from Meet the Parents is named after my mom. Uh, I have a younger sister who is the same name as our boss, Ryan Shaver, and it's very weird. Um, and number three, I was in the same graduating class as NBA player Jeremy Lin. Okay, hold on a second. Your, young, your sister's called Ryan Shamer? Well, uh, Ryan. Okay. In theory, <laughs> unless I'm lying. <laughs> unless I'm lying. Okay, this, this is the one's true. Keely did... Ooh, Jeremy Lin. The Meet the Parents, that's the Ben Stiller one. Great movie. You're saying that she was based on your mom? Named after her. Like coincidentally or they named after you oh no on purpose on purpose not martha fokker (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what i was thinking trying to figure this out (laughs) katie i'm gonna guess son of a that's actually crazily true i don't think you went to school with jeremy lynn well you probably did i don't think you went with jeremy lynn either because i feel like i would have heard that yeah i think she did i think where jeremy lynn went to school 
Jeremy Lin, ages. I'm trying. Yeah. No, I think she, she was at USC. I don't know. I'm going to go number one. That's just weird. <laughs> Which one was the number? Oh, the Meet the Parents one? That's yeah. true. Um, oh. My dad went to high school with the guy who wrote the series. So. Really? Oh, wow. He was at my wedding. Yes. Oh, wow. Rand- I know the universe is very random. Um, I actually, so the Jeremy Lin one was a lie, but I did go to high school with him. He's just two years older than me. Oh, okay. I would have given you that though. And yeah. you do, you, you do have a sister called Ryan Shaver. Yeah, That's no, Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> it's very strange. I remember when I first started working for the Sounders, I like texted my sister. I was like, "Oh my god, my boss is the same name as you," and she just texts me back, "I am your boss." <laughs> I love it. Great, Kitty. Have fun editing this and making sense of our nonsense. Um, but tomorrow, six thirty p.m. Kickoff FS1, I believe, is the game tomorrow. Um, tune yep. in on the radio. Keith Kostrick and Casey Keller, myself, will be on there. Tune in Q13. I will be on the pregame show with Michelle Lutka. Um, excited. First game of the season. Um, I think predictions. I mean, I'm going to go 2-1 Sounders. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I think it's going to be a, a, a good game, an attacking game. I think Minnesota are going to be one of the challenges this year, 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll go 2 nil Sounders. At home. Makes me, makes me look really bad now. Both of you guys, <laughs> by the way. Good. It's like the price is right. <laughs> Get Drew Carey on here. Uh, I think it's going to be 2-2 Sounders. Or 2-2 Sounders, Minnesota. Draw. I like that 2-2 score. 2-2 Sounders, right. yeah. yeah. There you have it. All right, guys. As always, pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Um, like, subscribe when we get your podcast. And we'll be back next week, um, hopefully recapping the first win of the season. Um, for those 7,000 fans who are going to the stadium tomorrow, enjoy, be loud, be proud, and we will see you there. It's a side-by-side with Steve Zakwani, Brad Evans, Keeley, and commentator extraordinaire Keith Kostigan. Um, Regular guest. Welcome back anytime, Keith, honestly. And Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll be back next week, guys. Thanks. Thanks.